You're listening to The Mullet Cast, the podcast where business and pleasure collide. With your host. Say my name, say my name. Evan Balmer, Evan Balmer. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a nice day. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Mullet Cast, the podcast where business and pleasure collide. Today we're joined by Tom Shea and his wife, Lisa Shea. What's going on, Tom and Lisa? Evan, good to be here. Thanks for having us. This is a blast from the past. <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, this is funny. So we haven't really talked a lot because it's always better to save it for, the, uh, for this conversation. It makes it more interesting anyway. But let's dig into how I know you is... When I was 14 years old, um, my summer job was caddying at Rumson Country Club. And uh, I was explaining to my daughter yesterday the kind of hierarchy of how, you know, w- the country club works. Like you have the golf pro, you have the assistant pro, you have the caddy master. And, uh, you know, all these characters come together in one place. And uh, Very good description. You were the caddy master. I, I like to say that was my first real job in the business because I grew up as a caddy as well at Beacon Hill Country Club. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I was the second assistant slash caddy master <laughs> slash starter, I guess, too. You yeah. know, so. And I was trying to piece together because, God, this is so long ago now. Like, I remember back in the day, like, walking around with cash in my pocket, you felt like this was the greatest job in the world because you had so much money. And I remember there were A caddies, B caddies, and C caddies. So when you first start out, you're a C caddy. And I'm pretty sure, I know the A caddy rate was 14 bucks a bag back when I was there. So you'd carry two bags, you make 28 bucks for like four hours. Um, and then you were banking on hoping for a tip, you know, depending on who you were. Which was banned there, by the way. Yeah. And I was in the bylaws. You could not tip, even though people would slip it here around <laughs> Christmas and stuff like that. Gambling is illegal in Bushwood. And then, and then there was the, then there was the guy, he'll remain nameless. They would always ask for your best C caddy. Cause they were getting, they were, that was the $10 rate. That's right. You know, now you know why how these rich people have all their money. They That's don't right. spend it. Yeah. But, some new up and comers that exactly. uh, haven't quite got enough reviews exactly. to get pumped up the fee. <laughs> <laughs> but it was ABC. I think it was 14, 12, and 10. I think so. Which, by the way, it was yeah. like, you know, eight or nine dollars less than some of the other clubs around town. So. That's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. We were always five Thank or six years behind at Rumson. Tom, give me your best scene cut. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And I, I didn't get a chance to look up what year Caddyshack came out, but like I went to see Caddyshack in the movie theater with my parents. That was 80, uh, I think. Was it 80? Oh, yeah. All right. So I was about, I was 10 when Caddyshack came out. So by the time I was a caddy, like, I remember walking in the first day with like the biggest smile on my face, like I'm in caddy. This is hilarious. That's a Crunchy Club because it yeah. was an exclusive place. It right. really was. And there was so there was like a little caddy pen, you know, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there was like this little square of brass <laughs> right outside the halfway house where Leo yeah, was. Totally with two benches, and you'd sit there waiting for your, you know, Tom would walk out with like, all right, you know, Evan, you got so and so and so and oh, and you're like, ah, because there were those dudes like i mean it's exactly like caddyshack there's the guys with like the big old bag you know that weighs two tons <laughs> and it's like the total hack you know but so much funny stuff happened at that oh place. man like it was amazing and you were so that was your first real job and my memories of you were you drove around in the dodge rebel which which basically looked like the general lee <laughs> like, my favorite story was parking next to roger pansky had like 
one of like a limited edition Porsches, which was worth a hundred grand at the time. Right. And my hundred dollar car parked next to him in the parking lot. Somewhere I have a picture of that. <laughs> that is Oh uh, yeah. I can picture some of those Porsches. Oh uh, yeah. But I think people were always drawn to the Rebel. Oh you know? uh, yeah, the Rambler <laughs> Rebel. That was, a, that was awesome. The big tires on the back, little tires on the front. I drove that thing across country. That's right. From California back to Jersey. So it was this classic collection of people like, you know, as a 14 year old, you're pretty impressionable. So we had like, you know, Tom is like our spiritual leader. Uh, <laughs> and then there were, like, dangerous. there were like these random, like I was thinking about this one guy, he had to have been in his sixties and I don't really know what he did for a living, but he popped back in caddy every so often. It's Bruno. Um, there was Bruno? Yeah, yeah, Bruno. Scratch is who yeah, I Scratch, yeah, Scratch with caddy for Doc McGuire and I those mean, guys during the member guest. Right. right. So Scratch, I can't like repeat like a lot of the advice he'd give us. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, he was the night watchman too. <laughs> that was awesome. That was so awesome. Well, yeah. Like we'd watch Monday night football with the guy when he was supposed to be out patrolling the grounds. Not that there was much there anyway. Right. But, so, you know, yeah, he was a character. He would give us like little, you know, one bit lines of wisdom. And then, you, you know, the members, like the conversations you'd overhear while you're out on the course. Um, and stock we, tips, stock tips. Listen right. close. <laughs> <laughs> If only we knew now. And, you know, it is true the judges are the most perverted individuals out there. Because some of the stories you hear from the judge was, like, off the charts. Um, you know, we had, like, guys throw their putters into the, you know, you, the par three over water. You know, your ball goes into, your drive goes into drink. They throw their putter in and uh, he jumps in after it. Like, you know, Ronnie we talked about, he was, like, late 20s, a caddy. Local uh, had a band called the Elastic Waist. That's band. it, man. You got to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember caddying with him. Like one day, I just looked over. And you're supposed to be like one of the things. Like probably you taught us was like you know hold the flag when you're on the uh, tending the pin when someone's putting so it doesn't blow in the wind yeah. and make noise yeah. and all that stuff. And I look over and there's like a light breeze blowing, <laughs> and the the flag's like blowing in the breeze as Ronnie's holding the, the stick, <laughs> and he has his like other arm like bent on his hip and he just goes super caddy <laughs> oh, he was definitely king of the one-liners i'm telling you and you're like caddy of the year every year just for entertainment purposes yeah. and you're trying not to laugh while people are putting so i mean what are your memories of that place well how was that as a job and like you know well listen i was there. still a young guy we, we talked about it earlier i mean you know i was 22, I think at the time. And, you know, it, it, you know, you think back now, it was, it was phenomenal. First job. I mean, listen, Don Brigham, who was the pro at the time, still my favorite all-time boss. I keep in touch with Ace, who was the assistant back then. Um, you know, the members that, you know, we got to know and, and kept in touch with over the years. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of them have passed, but, um, you know, the caddy yard, as you mentioned, I mean, it really was, it was, you know, it was a little, it was our own caddy shack, right. you know, Rumpson's versions of the caddy shack, because there really were, there were a lot of characters, God, I remember ra racing a kid one time, what was his name, Ken, I think, who was like this real thin, fast kid, and right. we raced from one side of the driver race to the other, and I beat him, you know, right. and he was like shocked, you know, I could still run then, 100 pounds ago, but um, yeah, I just, you know, I remember, uh, um, I remember Dave Marr came back. I don't even remember that name. Dave Marr won the 1966 PGA. Wow. He was the um, the pro there at one time, and he came back and he told us a story how he wasn't allowed in the uh, in the bar back then. Right. And it was just real strict. I mean, it was voted like I think the third snobbiest club in the country at one point. But it was it was a great experience. I mean, I got to live there. You know, got to learn the you know the the ropes initially from from those guys, and then moved on from there. But you know, still. 
still one of my favorite places just because it's, you know, Rumpson, New Jersey. Yeah, so, right. you know. Yeah, it was a classic. I mean, some of the other highlights were like whenever there's a tournament and they start unloading golf carts. Oh, and you're, oh like, yeah. You're like 14 driving golf oh, carts. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, the fairways are a little wet. You're yeah. laying out like 25-yard skids. And, oh, yeah. Uh, jumping sand traps. Now, <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, these maybe, you know, I think we're protected by uh, what, what you're, 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 of limitations. Yeah, there. I was going to say, you're a lawyer. You know this stuff. Um, but I don't even remember we used to play cart football. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. We'd be on the driving range and we'd have to, you know, pass it back and forth and then slam it into each other's baskets. And I think there might have been a few cart dents or so, scratches out there. So, so that was the, uh, the range cart, too. It, it had, like, the regular roof on it. And then it just had this black tarp. <laughs> yeah, it was called. You called it the death mode. So this thing, you know, one of the highlights of when you're waiting for like your afternoon loop, you go out like, oh, we're gonna go chip the range. Yeah, it's basically you grab like a you know pitching wedge, walk along the side of the range, and chip the balls back in. But what you're also, like, you know, you're all running out there to try to drill the death mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever is driving it, like the, the the sides of the tarp like flapped yeah. when you drove. So yeah. every so often you'd like sneak some balls yeah. in and like beg the person in the legs or something. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah, that place was, that was amazing. <laughs> it really was. I mean, just a, a lot of history there. Um, you know, some great families. Um, God, I remember seeing years ago that that used to be part of someone's estate. Wow. Yeah. You know, and then they, you know, they gave the, the land up for the golf course and, and they continue to make improvements. I mean, Ace played there last week and he said it was in phenomenal shape. Really? So That's cool. yeah, I know they got rid of a lot of trees You know, you drive by now, you can kind right. of see everything where before it was kind of yep. hidden behind the gates and everything. That's but, right. you know, it was, it was always pretty cool. Yeah. Back then when the trees were all there, you could drink on like the green. <laughs> <laughs> and now mom and dad will see you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, that was like formative, like job. It was like, you know, I remember I used to, I'd ride my bike there. Um, Eventually, like I used caddy funds to buy a moped. Then you're like riding a moped there. You know, it was a, it was a great job. Cool. Well, you, you know, you think, like you said, you, you came home with a lot of cash. I mean, I remember my first loop, I was 12 and I made five bucks and thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But, but you're right. Cause you know, you do have to get out of bed, Right. you got to show up, you got to be responsible. You got to be respectful of the people that you're caddying for. Right. And to this day, I, I, I laugh in that, you know, in the 45, 46 years I've been part of golf, um, just the people I've met. Mm -hmm. And it really is amazing. I right. mean, you're obviously one of them. So, yeah. Um, so that is crazy that you stayed on, like, in turn, that became a career. So you, where'd you go from there? And well, you know, it's funny because, you know, just to back up for one second, I mean, when I first started playing, I hated it. Mm. It was the hardest game in the world. I played every other sport. It was easy. And then I remember caddying. I was around 14 and a guy was shooting 110. He said he was good. I'm like, well, I can do that. Right. So the rest is history. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was my first official job. I, I, you know, I got registered as a PGA apprentice. Uh, from there, I went back to Beacon Hill. You know, I needed to, uh, as the pro at Beacon Hill said, you needed to go away, you know, to come back and, you know, learn to be, uh, you know, a little more, I guess, respectable and calm and collective and all that stuff. But uh, from there, I went to Shore Oaks. And then from there, I worked a couple of driving ranges. And then I ended up in uh, Tampa, Florida from there. So. Right. That's right. I actually yeah. remember you were at the driving range out in Long West yeah, Long Yeah, West Long Branch. Yeah, and also Eatontown. Lisa was asking about that the other yeah. day. That's like condos now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We were jumping. Hey, where was it? I'm like, there it is right there, you know. That's so, insane. Yeah, I forgot so, about that driving Yeah, range. exactly. So, you know, went back and forth with that. And then, you know, the winners finally caught up to me. So. Right. You know, we did some golf schools in the Bahamas and then from there on the east coast of Florida, then we ended up in, in Tampa. So that's where I've been for 25 years. That's crazy. Yeah. So. That's really cool. So right now you're with, 
you're a PGA teaching professional in Tampa. Yeah, I'm at a place called the Eagles Golf Club in Odessa, which is like Northwest Tampa. And I also am the uh, U.S. Kids Golf Local Tour Director uh, in Tampa. And we've been doing that for the last 10 years. We run 24 events locally. We travel the country. We do regionals. Uh, we have a world championships in Pinehurst, North Carolina. That has 2,000 kids from wow. 60 countries. That's been cut, you know, the last couple of years with COVID. But right. well, this year we still had 2,000 kids from 30 countries. So did you really? So pretty cool. That is cool. So it's exclusively junior golf, and um, you know, which is pretty funny because you know, some people think you know I'm a kid myself. So how do you do that? But I think that's part of it. And I get down to the kids' level. I have their sense of humor and. Right. You know, I love hearing these stupid jokes and, you know, I fit right in. So it's perfect. <laughs> That's killer. So, so you're still doing, was it like one big tournament a year and then like traveling around to other places? Well, we're, 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 we're exclusively at home in, in, uh, in Tampa, but we just spent the last two months uh, doing Philadelphia. Uh, up here in, in the Jersey area, and yeah, this is still home for me. Right. So uh, came back and ran events here, and then uh, we'll have or actually have a regional coming up this weekend in Atlantic City down at Seaview Resort. We'll have almost 300 kids there. That's cool. So we have about a dozen of those around the country, and I probably do about 10 of those. And then we do the World Championships, like I said, in North Carolina, which is always two weeks, uh, end of July, early August. That's so, awesome. So yeah, what's the so. what's the like? talent level of the kids that are playing these tournaments pretty amazing yeah i mean uh we go from five to 18 year olds we just added the 15 to 18 age group uh, the last couple of years we always had a teen championship at the mm -hmm. world championships um but we just added that to the local tour the last couple of years and you know we're really still considered a developmental tour but there's kids that shoot par out there wow. you know from from age appropriate yardages right um but there's kids that you know, the, you know, a kid may come out and shoot 60 and, you know, really not concerned about the, the score as much as, you know, that they can, you know, basically our, our biggest concern is weather. I obviously can't control that and pace supply. Right. You know, if they can keep moving and, and understand the rules a little bit, you know, they're where to help. We're there to help them. But the talent level is, is, is pretty impressive. So. And what's know? the like state of the world of golf? Like there's still a lot of kids. Into you, golf, know, you know, it's or? funny. I mean, obviously, COVID golf exploded because it was one of the few things that people could do. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, junior golf is, as long as I've been in it, it just continues to grow. Um, you know, people, in, as much as you hate to say it, you know, I've always loved football. I grew up playing football. You know, a lot of people, be, just because of the injury factor, you're, you know, they're starting to get more into golf. Right. You know, the only thing you can do is maybe hit yourself in the head with a club or, you know, get whacked to the ball, which, you know, we've seen that before. But um, but otherwise, you know, obviously, you know, the injury levels are very low. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of, of new kids just just from from that. Right. You know, so um, but yeah, it's it's. It's it's been going strong. That's cool. You know? I actually did get so, hit in the head with a club before. It was like that was one of the perks of caddying. I think Mondays you could go out and play. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly like the uh, you know caddying shocking from four to four ten. Exactly yeah. shocking that yeah. you got hit in the head. Yeah. So. so I was like walking behind you know some jackass caddy that <laughs> was quickly taking a practice swing, oh, yeah. clocked me in the head oh, yeah. on, the, on the back swing. I've been hit giving lessons, yeah. so you know it happens. So. <laughs> Which actually reminds me, Ronnie. I think he he had a brief. Uh, hiatus from caddying because he decided to go down to the pool house one day and order himself oh, some lunch yeah. on the other oh, house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a great facility though, wasn't it? They had the boathouse and the marina and everything, so pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, so how did you get into golf originally? 
as a caddy. So yeah. I started playing just what you said, you know, as much as I didn't like the game, I took advantage of those Mondays. Mm. I mean, we would just stay out there from, you know, dawn to dusk and, and, you know, you're with your friends. Right. So it was a lot of fun and you, know, you didn't really get in any trouble. And I mean, once I got into it, I started sneaking out of the golf course <laughs> and I'll never forget. There was a member one time and I was on a hole that I was kind of trapped where I couldn't, you know, escape if I needed to, right. unless I wanted to jump in the lake. And I see the president of the club, and he's walking his dog, and I'm just standing there frozen, and all of a sudden he just waves. And I'm like, oh, okay. So if I just act like I'm, I belong here, that's, that'll work. But I remember diving into a bunker one time to hide, and it was the pro. And he came over, he goes, what are you doing in there? Get the hell out of there, you know? So, But, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just got into it and did whatever I can to play the game. So right. it was great. Were your parents in the golf? My father was a golfer. My mother became a golfer after they retired down to uh, Calabash, North Carolina, just right. north of Myrtle Beach. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I like to credit them for, you know, getting me into the game because, right. you know, if, if it wasn't. And it's funny because uh, Chuck Edwards, who was the pro there for the last 25 years, he just retired a couple of years ago. Um, and I wrote this little love, love poem to Beacon Hill because yeah. it's still my favorite place in the world. Um, and I found out, I put it on Facebook, and I found, found it from my uncle. And I had a 45-year history with that place. Wow. My uncle and my other uncle had caddied there 25 years before me. So now I know why That's my mother great. sent us there. Uh, you know? So great. we have a 70-year history of Beacon Hill. And, and it is. It's just, a, it's just a great place. So cool. a lot of memories. I mean, yeah. you know, partying at night on the golf course and sleigh riding in the winter and right. obviously golfing in the summer. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's how I got into it. It's funny because my, I, you know, obviously we talked about this way back in the day. So I don't even know if you remember, but my grandparents played at Beacon Hill yeah, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, some of my funny, you know, the memories of going there with them also. But once I started caddying at Rumson, so my grandmother was a lady that she walked around in golf outfits. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I thought, in my mind, my grandmother was like LPGA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, lived, breathed. And man, you were really bringing back a memory because I do remember that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like everything with golf, right? Yes. So once I started caddying at Rumson, my grandmother's like, I'll oh, come out and caddy for me over Beacon Hill for me and my friend or whatever, right? So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, so I'm caddying. My grandmother on the first tee hits the ball like five yards. And I just, my mind was, I'm like, oh my God, my grandmother's a hack. That was like, a I peach. Can't... That was a peach, hon. Wee! Exactly. That's exactly what it was like. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like, she's out here every day and that's the... Uh, you yeah, never go by the person who's dressed well. You got to yeah. worry about the guy that's not dressed well. That's right. So, exactly. yeah. <laughs> got the old bag of clothes and go, oh, this guy, watch out for him. So. Right? Yeah, totally. So that was, uh, yeah, they were like my first, like you'd go to my grandparents' house and just, you know, they were always like the little, remember those old canvas golf sure, bags? Sure, sure. had like three clubs. Yeah, yeah, Sunday like, bags. Those were always, yeah, the yeah. Sunday bag yeah, was always yeah. lying around, the little wiffle balls, yeah. you'd go out in the yard, hit balls constantly. Yeah. I remember your grandfather. Yeah. yeah. A little putter. Yeah, because yeah. I think he... He may have been a, a president there. He was. Yeah. He definitely was. Yeah, right. they were there. I mean, that that was the thing. I mean, it was to me, what I love about Beacon Hill was to me, it was always the working class rich. You know, the guy had the liquor store down the street, you know, the auto repair shop, the auto body shop. Mm -hmm. And then these guys would come and play golf on the weekends and right. they were just the nicest people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You had your, you know, you had your stuffy ones here and there and right. you know you had your crazy ones. But but it was just everyone was, you know, I mean, if you showed up on a Saturday morning, didn't have a game. Never a problem. Right. You know, there wasn't any, you know, groups that were, oh, you know, you can't join our group or anything like that. Right. And ladies' Day was fun. Doctors' Day was fun. You know, I remember getting hit. 
And I was in, I was in a group with four doctors, you know, it was like, Ooh, my arm, my arm, you know, left, left dimple marks on my elbow, but, but I was fine. Cause I was in, you know, with, in with doctors, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, just, just, just people were great. So that's, yeah. that's what kept me going really. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, there's so many, like every day was like comedy, like it, like what just popped in my head, like you're talking about all these different days and tournaments and stuff. Like there was some tournament, like it was between deal and Hollywood. And, oh like, yeah. Yeah. We would do the interclub stuff. Over. Yeah. So I had a lady like, you know, this is nothing disparaging about her. So I'll say her name or, you know, you're like, you're catting from Mrs. Appleby. And then he's Tom's walking around. This is probably where the, your new song came from that we'll get to. <laughs> but he's like whistling, like, don't sit under the apple. Everything was like, just, uh, like a crazy routine, you know, no matter what you did. Well, you know, I've carried that over to my junior camps and everything uh -huh. because listen, at the end of the day, this has got to be fun. Right. I mean, and, 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 and we do, we, you know, we do see some crazy parents out there running junior events and right. things like that. And God bless them. But at the end of the day, it's got to be fun. And I gravitate to those kids. I mean, Lisa can tell you, you know, I've got some great kids back in Tampa, you know, the kids that, you know, bust my chops and bust their chops. Those are my favorite kids. Right. I mean, the ones that get it, you know, and but go out there and have a good time. Of course, you know, we all want to shoot par or better or mm -hmm. play well, but you know, at the end of the day, we want to just say, hey, we had fun out there and, and we'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. So, and it, and it is tough sometimes with people, but you know, there's no excuse. Is there, do you find, is there like an economic like barrier of entry to kids playing golf or do you get kids from all, because you oh, think we about get it, like it's expensive to get golf clubs. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it's gotten a lot better though, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of programs out there where they, anybody can get into it, right. you know. Um, it's really been, but to me, I think it's been fairly easy, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, we help out as many as we can in that regard and, uh, you know, haven't had any issues in terms of, if you want to get in, we're going to get you involved. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. So for kids that want to do that, like, is there, how do they get involved in this type of stuff? Well, U.S. Kids Golf, of course. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're not only a golf club company. We run tournaments. We've got certified coaches. We've got uh, play and learn programs out there. I mean, we're global. You know, I've learned to say that over the last few years, but mm -hmm. we are all over the world. Um, you know, I'm one of 75 tour directors around the world. You know, we've got programs in, in – uh, in Ireland, Japan, Italy, you know, obviously the United States. And you got the first tee, which is out there. I know there's one, you know, right over here by Colonial Terrace. Oh, really? There's a, there's a little program over there. They're all over the world oh, as well. Cool. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of programs, obviously your local golf club. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, there's really no reason that they can't get into it. Got so, you know, and then, hey, always sneak out on the golf course. Just tell them I sent you. So. That's right. You know? And look, Danny Noonan did it, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Anyone can do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So we reconnected once a long time ago. We just figured out it's like over 25 years ago. It's insane. Like you randomly moved down the street from my parents. Exactly. But then most recently you called me like you had an idea about you wanted to get your mom in the New Jersey Hall of Fame. Exactly. So yeah, that's good. Well, I was uh, I was actually put into a foster home when I was eight, right. and that was the Shea home. Um, they adopted me when I was thirteen. Uh, my mother was the uh, president of the Monmouth County Foster Parent Association, mm. and uh, she had five kids kids of her own. She brought in twenty plus foster kids, you know, over that time period that wow. uh, you know I was there, which included six babies. Uh, one of the last babies, Gwen. We adopted her when she was three. Um, always wanted to tell the story. Uh -huh. And uh, because, again, she saved my life. If it wasn't for her, it wasn't for the Shea family, would have never got into golf. Mm. Uh, my older brothers played. 
Uh, my father obviously played. You know, my mother knew about it, obviously, like I mentioned earlier with my uncles. But um, you know, I, I needed a way to honor her and discovered the New Jersey Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in April of 2020, uh, submitted her name, which would have been her, her uh, 83rd birthday. Um, she passed in, in 2005 and, uh, you know, submitted her name. And ever since then, I've been pushing the effort because, you know, from that time it would be would have been for this year because uh, they do like last year was 20, 2019, 2020. This year it's the 2020-21 class. And uh, we basically have the rest of the month to try to push her into uh, uh, the unsung hero category. Right. And uh, I've been posting it on Facebook, wrote a song uh, that, you know, We'll have you sing a little bit today, <laughs> and uh, that that has taken on a life of its own. But uh, yeah, just making the push to tell the story and honor my mom by trying to get her into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. That's awesome. I mean, people, I'll say it again at the end, but BettyVinny.com is a website you have. B e t t i e v i n n y. Yes. Um, people can check out for a little bit of info about your parents. So, like, what are your memories of? like foster care and how you ended up with, with well um the first eight years not very good um i was actually it was actually five days before my ninth birthday when i was put into the foster home my mother my birth mother died when i was six in florida we lived in you know eight different places before i was put into the foster home um my father was an alcoholic he was abusive and uh so, you know, those memories aren't, aren't very good, but, but it's funny, Ev, I, I remember uh, the last place we lived, I was in Spring Lake Heights, and I'll never forget, I just knew that, you know, I think I was eight years old, that I had, I'd have to take care of myself. Mm. And, uh, you know, the one thing that surprises me is, like, I've always been positive. Right. And it's, it's you know, and I do question, you know, why me? Mm. You know, how did it happen to me? But, you know, thank God it did. And... Uh, you know, from there on, I mean, Lisa was talking about it yesterday. Um, you know, I was given the stability that I needed with the Shea family. Right. And, uh, you know, so a lot of great memories from that. Right. Um, but, you know, and, and, and it's funny, in researching this and doing the work and getting mom into the Hall of Fame, and I thought I knew a lot of it, but there's been some, you know, some demons have come up. Uh-huh. And uh, this has really been my therapy. Right. You know, learning about it, you know, talking to different people, interviewing family members, um, you know, finding out things I didn't know before I got to the, the Shea home. You, right. know? you know, there was an effort to try to keep the family together. And, uh, you know, things were tough. I had older siblings. They were pretty much on their own. Uh, my one sister moved out when she was 13. She was like, you know, I'm done. She moved in with another family on her own. Wow. You know, I still think she's the toughest one of us all because of what she did. Right. And, uh, but, you know, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that my dad what he did what he did, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just had to go from there. Right. So. Yeah, it's intense at that age, but um, it's funny because I was looking at the site and I was like, you definitely found your tribe because like, there's a photo, a family photo you have, and there's someone like standing up, like the family's all together. There's one person like standing on a, their head on a chair, oh, like, like, their legs up there, and I'm like, look at Tom, man, he's crazy. <laughs> but then it's not you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like these are your people. I man. think it was me, wasn't it? I think you're behind that person. I, was, I thought it happened. I, I, I think well, I think it was me. But right. I was but like, yeah, I mean, listen. Family reunion. Yeah, I I definitely <laughs> was I definitely was put into the right family. Right. I really was. Right. I mean, yeah, I like to joke about 
with golf, they say, play golf to your three most obnoxious friends. Well, I had three older brothers. Uh-huh. That tortured me on the golf course. Really? I mean, they would throw ice at me. They would throw clubs <laughs> at me, throw balls at me. Right. My brother attempted to do that a few years ago when he came to see me in Tampa. And I just turned to him and I said, that doesn't work since I was 12, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely toughened me up. But also gave me a sense of humor. I mean, I'll never forget Ev. One of my favorites is watching scary movies. You know, Lisa hates scary movies. She doesn't like watching them. They, they scare her. I remember watching Dawn of the, or Night of the Living Dead or whatever it was in the movie theater in Atlanta College with my two brothers. People are crying and screaming. My two brothers are laughing. <laughs> this is funny. And that's how I watch scary movies. So it's like, you know, I definitely learned to, uh-huh. you know, live life with a sense of humor. I mean, right. I, you know, I take things serious, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to laugh. Right. And, and that's, you know, probably the greatest thing I, I got out of that. So yeah, that's cool. I mean, it takes, uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, you know, obviously once you have kids, you start like trying to picture like, what it must be like at that age to go through what you went through. You know what? And, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I hope I don't get choked up. But I'll tell you, when my oldest, Jesse, um, who's 28 now, um, when he was eight, you know, when about to turn nine, it hit me. It really did right. because um, it was tough. Man. It really was. I mean, you know, because, um, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to say it. I mean, I learned my father was not a good man. Mm. And, uh you know, how do you, how do you give up a child at that age? And then again, I, you know, I may contradict myself here, but I'm thankful that he did what he did. Right. And I know that he was in a, in a tough situation, but, you know, leading up to that, he could have made it a, a hell of a lot better. And, you know, I mean, I know our kids have realized now that, you know, we have been over backwards to do whatever we could mm-hmm. to make their life better than our life. Sure. And like any parent, I think would do. And, uh, but it, it did, it hit me. It, I'll never forget. And, and when he, when he passed too, I remember my mother was still alive and Mrs. Shea was still alive or Betty Jane, as we've been calling her lately, which is her name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember calling her that day and I was, I was upset. I was angry. And so there's definitely some demons that are, you know, still inside with, with what happened. But right. yeah, just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how you give up a kid at that age. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, and obviously it takes a special family to do what your mom did, you know, what Betty did. What, um, how did she get started on that path? Well, we were trying to timeline it. It was basically in the late sixties, you know, she had the four kids at the time, mm-hmm. you know, my three brothers, uh, Vinny, Mike, Timmy, and Colleen. Um, and then when I got to the home in 71, so it'll be 50 years ago and coming up in October, my sister Peggy had, was six, old, six months old. So, but she was taking foster kids in before that. I mean, her special, her first, her first um, um, foster kid was a special needs kid, mm. you know? And again, my, I remember talking to my Aunt Alicia about it going, you know, how do you do this? Right. And that was just her. She just had a huge heart. And, uh, you know, I mean, we had a situation where a kid came in, there was supposed to be an emergency weekend. Well, she stayed three years. Wow. So, um, you know, they did what they could. I mean, um, you know, the babies, that was, that was tough for all of us. I mean, I remember changing diapers when I was 12, 13, 14 years old and, you know, giving those babies up anywhere from three to six months. I mean, that, you know, that's a whole other story in itself. I'd love to know where those kids are now because they all got to be in their 40s. Wow. Right. Um, but she, you know, she did it for about 18 years, had the, you know, like I said, about 20 plus kids come through. Uh, fortunate that I was, was able to get adopted. And then, you know, my sister Gwen, who, uh, you know, was the last baby that came through. Mm-hmm. So. Just, uh, you know, and like I said, she was president of the Foster Parent Association. When she passed, Ev, all I wanted were the articles that they wrote about her. Because mm. I knew there were several. Uh, she wrote letters to, you know, local assemblymen. And she was, uh, you know, 
she was a fighter for all foster kids throughout right. the state of Jersey. So, so did she get started? Did she like obviously build that organization and do fundraising for it? Yeah, she she did everything. I mean, I actually have a picture of of she was at a meeting and it was a like a picture from the paper. Uh, she was with three gentlemen. I tracked those guys down. They're still alive. Mm. And one of them uh, also went to high school with her. Oh, no way. You know, yeah. So, I mean, he just, you know, spoke so highly of her. And, uh, yeah, she was. She was definitely a special lady. So, mm. you know, and, and again, I feel I feel bad. Someone asked me yesterday, oh, you know, you don't talk a lot about your dad. And, and again, none of this could have been possible without my father. Right. So, you know, he's just as big as a star of this. But, you know, mom was out in front. And, you know, as, all, as most moms are, you know, she took the... Uh, took the bull by the horns and, right. you know, the, uh, you know, people say, Hey, I, I have a loud tone. Well, one, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm going to have a loud tone anyway, but you know, living in a family of seven, I had to be loud, you know, to, right. to, to get what I wanted. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, don't forget me. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, for her to do what she did and, and our house was always that house too, Evan. Like we had seven of us, but there might be 17 oh, wow. at any point. Like all the kids came in. Right. And we had a lot of cousins and, and, and aunts and uncles. And uh, I mean, it was never a dull moment. Right. I mean, my father, my, my favorite story of my dad was he'd make us entertain uh, for any of our gifts, birthday or Christmas. So we'd have to sing or yeah, dance right, right. or tell a joke. And, <laughs> and I still, I still, I, I do that with all my campers. I mean, I've passed that one on and, and, and we'd always wrap presents in different boxes. Hey, don't go by the box. And, right. and he wanted us to save the wrapping paper. So, I mean, yeah. you know, just great memories, you know, right. you know, I wasn't the, the perfect kid, of course, you know. I tried to do some things with my grades at school, and, you know, and I'd get in trouble for stupid little stuff. My pop Warner coaches would come to the house and say, hey, we'll take care of them. And then I'd go to practice and they'd throw the ball in the mud because they knew I'd get there first. And it was right. like, you know, dog pile on the rabbit, you know, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was it was great living up and thank God that, that it happened. So now that you're mentioning all this, I think we used to have to tell a story or a joke or sing a song before we get our loop, you know, back. Oh, yeah, that was great. There you go. All right, who wants the best uh, tipper of the day? Let's exactly. See <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love you know. I love telling. Love telling those stories. That's classic. Well, obviously, Betty. You know, Vinny does get a mention in the domain names. So oh yes, he does. Totally yes, he does. Yes, he does. But uh, I mean, obviously, Betty had a big impact on you to to make you go out uh, and take on this Hall of Fame. Um, challenge. What's that nomination process like? How does that work? Well, it's actually fairly easy. You know, you submit her name. Um, they've actually made it easier for the unsung hero because they have selected their other categories for this year. Mm -hmm. And the only one left is the unsung hero. So, okay. um, you know, basically you, you, you submit her name, Betty Jane Shea. Uh, she was from Navis Inc. And then just, you know, give a little blurb about, mm -hmm. you know, why she should be, you know, put in. Right. Um, you know, we've had people, you know, write about obviously her being a foster parent, but also just, you know, what she did for the church and, you know, what she did for other organizations. Um, you know, she was always heavily involved and in, in helping out wherever she could. So mm, that's really cool. Yeah. So very yeah. cool. And obviously huge impact on your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because, you know, somebody said it to me a few years ago and I think I knew, obviously. But, you know, why do I do what I do? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, um, you know, I, I again, I, I love the kids. Uh, the, the kids are fun. Um, you know, the parents are, 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 you know, most of the time are really cool as well. Mm. But, you know, this is probably my way of giving back the way she gave back. You know, there's times when, you know, I have three kids of my own, but I have hundreds of kids at, at any one time and, and I'm responsible for all of them. So, right. you know, it's definitely a, a you know, extension of what she did for yeah, me. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, when did the nominees get announced? 
Uh, I think we've got till the rest of the month. I actually talked to the executive director yesterday, Jim Roberts. Uh, he's been very helpful in the whole process because um, I wanted to know, you know, September 1st, obviously yesterday. And uh, he said, you know, I think we got another three or four weeks and then they'll make the announcement at the end of the month or early October. That's cool. So. Uh, so who was already nominated this year? Well, that I don't know, to be oh, honest okay. with you. You know, I know they had, you know, it's funny. And now I don't think any of them got in, but I know that. Bill Parcells, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and Phil Sims were on the, you know, yeah, were on the, the docket. That's cool. And because uh, what it is, is you nominate them and then they let the public vote, which is pretty cool. Mm. You know, and like, you know, Bruce Springsteen's in there, John Bon Jovi's in there, Thomas Edison's in there, of right. course. My favorite, I've said this to you one before, Annie Oakley. That's crazy. Because she was a resident of Nutley. Right. So, uh, you know, it's really very cool. And, uh, but surprisingly, none of those giants got in because. That's pretty wild. Because that would have been cool, you know, if mom gets in that, um, you know, they were all members at Shore Oaks when I worked out there, oh, you know, right. which is now Eagle Oaks. And, uh, and I'll never forget that. So I'd be like, oh, that'd be cool if, you know, I get in with one of them. LC, so. yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. So. Um, that's really cool. I think my, my daughter's a huge Carly Lloyd fan. I don't know if you know her, a women's soccer yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she got in a year or two ago yeah, also. Yeah. yeah, it's a really cool organization. It really is. I mean, they've, uh, you know, they've got... You know, uh, public service category, arts and entertainment. Uh, I think politicians. You know, I think Bill Bradley's in there. Um, you know, the crazy thing—you forget how many people came from Jersey. Oh uh, yeah, it's like a, uh, yeah. There's definitely some. You know, people have had a big impact on the world out of Jersey. Well, uh, one of the things, um, you know, and you're you're segueing me into a perfect scenario here. Um, I don't know if you knew, Jim Nance grew up in Colts Neck. Oh, right. Played high school golf. Yeah. You know, I ended up getting him to take a picture with the flag. Uh, um, funny story, I actually called the Dan Patrick show. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm thinking, I got nothing to lose. I, have no, I don't know Dan Patrick from, you know, that, that light over there. Okay. Do, you, do you call and say, hey, Dan, first time, long time. It's <laughs> <laughs> common Tampa. Actually, actually, I sent an email. Right. <laughs> so that afternoon, this because they were coming to the, he was doing the Super Bowl in Tampa this right. past, you know, January or February. So I figured I got nothing to lose. And I, I don't know why I started with Dan, because I do know some of the media people in Tampa. Uh-huh. And that afternoon, Ev, that afternoon I get contacted by Jim Nance's people. No. And I didn't know what to do, because I was shocked that I got contacted. <laughs> so I said to the lady, I'm like, uh, uh, you know, any chance of meeting him? I'm like, well, with the COVID guidelines. And I, I get it. I figured it was worth a shot. Right. But um, I said, well, can I send you this flag, you know? So I sent him the flag. I didn't hear anything for a while. And I thought, well, you know what? I didn't send a self-addressed stamp envelope, but I also thought, well, with, with the digital world today, right. you know, it could be emailed to me, and that's how we ended up getting it. But the, uh, you know, the, his assistant, Melissa, is phenomenal. I mean, she's been great. And, yeah. you know, I keep trying to, you know, they were just here for the, uh, the um, World Golf Championship up uh, at Liberty cool. National, trying right. to make a contact there. And, but eventually, I'll hopefully meet him in person. But, yeah, but that was really cool. But he's from here. I mean, he's not in. He probably needs to get in. Right. Um, and there are. There are quite oh, yeah, a few people. You know, Frank Sinatra. Sure. You know, one of my all-time favorite country guys, Eddie Rabbit, is from here. I don't know if you've ever heard right? of Eddie Rabbit. I yeah. love the rainy night. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> you know, so a lot of great people from New Jersey. Right. You know? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, so we'll, for your mom's category, do people vote on that as well? That's actually, the, uh, the that, that's, yeah, that's a committee. And they've. I've been told that they um, have uh, the past, the past uh, unsung heroes mm-hmm. get involved with oh, that as well. Cool. That's yeah, really cool. so it's really, it's really a small category, but I'm actually looking up here, 
you know, just the um, just the link for it, and it's just you know Hall of Fame, njhalloffame.org, and then uh, you know you can just find the nominated unsung hero from there. So that's cool. So yeah, so it is it is a small group that that ends up you know being able to to uh, select her, but that we, I was told that you know stuff the box and you know send in as many nominations as you can. I've been posting every day on Facebook for the last couple of weeks, right. and people have been doing it. I just had an article written by uh, Muriel Smith out of Atlanta Collins yeah, uh, that cool. came out yesterday that, you know, she's got a great following and, you know, she's offered up, you know, getting maybe some, you know, local people involved to nice. write a letter. So I, I feel pretty confident that, that it will happen. Listen, I think the mullet cast is probably going to put you over the top. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely put me over the top. Are you kidding me? I mean, just being able to rekindle with you is awesome. So. Like, how did he score his spot on that show, man? You know, exactly. I'm like, man, it's like, get it. Dan Patrick, sure. Um, that's awesome. So njhalloffame.org. People should vote like for the other categories when those come out. And hopefully we'll see Betty Shea on there. Exactly. Um, um, all right, so tell us, Lisa, you've been sitting here patiently. Um, Tom is like obviously a great dude that impacted many young caddies' lives and <laughs> sent them on to great things in the world, you know, and now he's, he's leading with other kids, but he's definitely a character. I mean, how did you meet him? And um... We actually met in Brookdale Community College. Oh, we actually met in Brookdale Community College. Sweet. Um, we were best friends for almost 10 years before we got romantically involved, uh -huh. I should say. So um, but one of the things I always, and I remember, I think we were in the library or something like that. This is, you know, just something that I just remember him talking. He was always, anything he was passionate about, he's passionate about. Right. You know, and I think he was just, you know, because he played high school golf, and then he played, you know, we played golf for Brookdale and did mini tours and stuff like that. And I just remember just like, you know, looking over at him going, God, I, I wish that I could be as passionate about something that he is. And that was one of the things that I truly admired and, you know, almost fell in love with about him, you know, that he was so passionate about it and just, he gives it 110%. Totally. You right. know, and then, um, you know, now this whole thing with his mom and, and it's just been steamrolling and he just, he just pushes and pushes and, and, you know, reaches out to people that, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I have the nerve to do that. I, I, I know I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, no was, fear, honey, no fear. But you know, but if you want something, again, it's it's just it's you know it's, it's just being the being passionate about that, you yeah. know, and, and it's just it's something to admire. It really is. Right. It really is. So. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so obviously, you knew Betty then, also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are your just like some of your memories of her? She was always great with the grandkids, and like you said, always had that open house, always had, everybody was always there, you know, and always doing for everybody. I mean, she she really had just a huge, huge heart. Right. She really did. Yeah. Um, she was just a good lady. She really was. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, you think about it, that's like, that's the way to live. Like, you know, not a lot of people are going to have people talking about them that way, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if people would say that about me. Like, now it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, you're such a great guy with an open house all the time. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny that a little bit of backstory with the, uh, you know, with the Hall of Fame is, um, you know, I met somebody who was involved and, you know, he actually said he did a search. And he couldn't find anything. And he goes, this is the perfect example of an unsung hero. Right. And I just was like, that, that pretty much blew me away, you yeah. know, because, you know, it'd be great if, you know, she had her, you know, name on a wall somewhere or something. But, you know, she definitely won awards when, when she was doing what she was doing. But, you know, she, she didn't care about that stuff. She just right. cared, hey, the kids were safe, got a good meal, had a stable home. And that's all she cared about. That's really cool. You know, so it was. 
I think you mentioned like you have like reached out to some of the other foster kids. That... Well, we've kept in touch with a few of them, yeah. you know, and I uh, have reached out to a few of them. And, uh, you know, it's it's been pretty cool. I mean, I'd love to find out where the babies are. I mean, that would be just the ultimate, you know, because we named them and we, my mother named them in alphabetical order. But, you know, when once they became, you know, uh, you know, officially with another family, you know, their forever family. You know, their names were changed, so right. we have no idea. And New Jersey, you know, as much as I hate to say this, is, is very tough still with, mm -hmm. you know, finding any information out through the state, you know, where these kids might possibly be. You right. know, and I get it. You know, I understand it. But Right. And it's know. easier, um, like now with DNA and things, if you were dealing with blood relatives, yeah, it would be yeah, easier. Yeah. But, you know, with foster kids, you don't have yeah. that search methods so. exactly you know and you know facebook's pretty amazing and social media so maybe it's one of those and i have posted those pictures mm. um you know be and but you know i only have one book with you know maybe three or four pictures of each baby so because and we only had them for that short amount of time wow. and you know who knows you know again where they are today are they even still in new jersey right you know because i mean true. back then i think you know all the families that that adopted these kids were from new jersey but mm. Yeah, they could be anywhere in the world, right. you know, so. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe, um, you know, Betty getting some exposure from the Jersey Hall of Fame. Um, maybe that would, some kids will recognize yeah. her or come out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's possible. Yeah, it would be possible. So, yeah. be cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming out. Um, good to see you, obviously. Oh, no way. Oh, you, you know what? I have one of those. I have a Rumson Country Cup flag. I don't know if Do I'm you really? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Sing Betty Jane. We, 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 we got to wrap this up with a sing a little bit. <laughs> All we need is two lines, man. I'll, I'll even coach you. All right. Hang on one second. You know? Give me a, I'm going to grab my phone over there. Tell, tell us how it goes. Give us okay. a little taste. Actually, I, I was walking over, humming it. I was like singing it on my way over. Get Betty Jane to the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame in the Garden State. And then I ask you to do it again. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get some separate videos of this so you got a flag a golf flag yeah i actually it's long enough ago i can say i have a rumson country club golf flag so this is this is it's kind of a funny story of so i decided to do this flag back in october i took it with me on the road and i decided i wanted to get some you know hometown uh, loving mm -hmm. so i'm in san jose california i go into a jersey mike's Nice. And I just want to sing the song in front of their thing, you know, by myself. Right. Manager comes out and she goes, do you want help? So I've been in about a dozen Jersey mics around the country with no this flag. And it's all on Facebook. Is it really? That's awesome. And it's, and it's really, really cool, um, you know, that they've, they've sang the song. So, you know, it's fairly long. I mean, I, my, <laughs> one, my one minute and 30 second version, uh, you know, evolved into, I told you this about the, you know, Dave Powers who did it. And then Katie Marie, who I found in California or in, found in Texas, mm -hmm. you know, they made this thing into a, you know, three minute professional song. And it's like, thank God, because, you know, you've seen my version. So yeah, the karaoke version, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm not shy either, but, That's um, cool. you know, that, that all evolved with saying, Hey, what else can I do to promote this thing? That is good. So the song is taken out of life of its own. I so. love that. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Jersey Mike's like, uh, that didn't exist back when, um, like when I was in college and stuff. So I went to college in the sticks of Virginia, like we were talking about, like not far from Charlottesville and like, so 
every time I came home from college, my mom's like, what do you want for dinner? You're like, I'll make you a special dinner. All I wanted was like, back then it was Danny's and Little Silver. I was yeah. like, I want a number one from Danny's, yeah. you know? So it was oh, like a Jersey. and stuff. cheese. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. totally. So I mean, like now that you have Jersey Mike's all around the, the world, basically, it's uh, yeah. those struggles I went through. Like That's I remember so being in Atlanta and like, you know, you know, the number one was ham, salami, provolone, lettuce, tomato, oil, and vinegar, yeah. basically like Mike's way, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, I saw this, like, I, I was at a place in Atlanta where the dude starts, like, carving, like, ham, like, you know, big chunks of ham and, like, iceberg lettuce chunks. I'm like, dude, this is, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Some other place, people, like, pulling, like, you know, the grocery store deli bag out. They're like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lady putting, like... Cuban, uh, those little Cuban pickles on it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, right. what is going on? You know, yeah. so it's like the struggle was real back then. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, so we got to we got to tag Jersey Mike's in this too to to uh, let them know you're singing it. Um, all right, give us a little taste of the song. Honey, you gonna sing it? Come on, here we go. Sure. Yeah, we got all to right. it. Yeah, let's get a little video. Oh, should we hold the flag? Up? Yeah, hold, hold the flag, flag up, up, of course. There we go. All right, ready, honey? Here we go. <laughs> Get Betty Jane to the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame in the Garden State. One more time. Get Betty Jane to the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame in the Garden State. Love it. All Thank right. right. Thanks, Ev. You got it. Tom and Lisa yeah, Shea, thanks, everybody. Uh, let's get Betty Jane in the Hall of Fame. Check out BettyVinny.com, B-E-T-T-I-E-V-I-N-N-Y.com, and NJHallofFame.org. Um, hopefully, you know, pretty soon we'll see Betty's nomination up there for the Unsung Heroes. Oh, the Mullet Cast will be first to know. Thank That's you. That's sweet. Yeah, we'll, get a, we'll book a, <laughs> a return visit. Maybe uh, we can get the director of the Hall of Fame on the show to announce the uh, the nominees that'd be something. cool that'd yeah be cool. jim roberts yeah perfect right. sweet all right thank you both very much i appreciate it thank evan you. thank you great seeing you you too the mullet cast is brought to you by balmer law group your one stop for entertainment business and real estate legal services check them out online at balmerlawgroup.com the mullet cast is recorded weekly at the pod studios in asbury park Recorded and mixed by Genevieve Nelson. Your host is Evan Balmer. Follow him on Instagram at Evan Balmer. Get your mullet cast merch at UncleRonnie'sTeabag.com. That's Uncle Ronnie's R-O-N-N-I-E-S T-E-E-B-A-G. UncleRonnie'sTeabag.com. The mullet cast theme was composed and recorded by Tyler Veit. Follow Tyler online. Check out all his latest musical endeavors at Tyler Veit Music on Instagram. Mullicast theme vocals were performed by Presley Bomber. Follow her on Instagram at Presley Sky Music. Mullicast voices, laughs, and general shenanigans, courtesy of Madison Bomber and Bryce Bomber. 